You Do, the podcast that explores various occupations and industries and arms you with information about what that position entails and how someone gets that job. This show is for anyone who's ready for a career change or who's just entering the workforce. What will we discover today? Lead in and enjoy the show with your host, Chris. Welcome to episode three of What Do You Do, the career podcast. In this episode, we meet with my friend Alan, who is a medical physicist. I never really knew what that was until I asked him, hey, what is a medical physicist? And it's one of those jobs that's kind of the unseen, behind-the-scene heroes when it comes to uh, radiation therapy. I would like to go ahead and say this was the first episode I ever recorded, Uh, so there's a lot of things I learned. Uh, when it comes to the different channels and audio levels. And this is all before that. So I apologize. I tried to clean it up as best as possible. And hopefully I can do it justice with the show. Before the interview, I would like to share a quote. It is, either you run the day or the day runs you. And that's by Jim Rohn. Anyways, on to the interview. I have Alan with me. He is in the medical physics field. How about you uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about what medical physics is? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the best explanation I've heard for it, uh, and the, the shortest one, I suppose, is that we're essentially a pharmacist for radiation therapy. And uh, most people think of pharmacists in terms of, you know, giving out uh, prescription medicine. But uh, radiation therapy actually is is generally uh, a lot more technical than that, and uh, involves well, not that giving out medication isn't technical, but but uh, involves these machines that deliver you know uh, high energy X rays and you know electrons uh, therapies, and you have uh, radioactive uh, sources that you actually will put in people uh, temporarily or or permanently. Um, there's so there's a lot of modes of delivering radiation therapy. But ultimately, the pharmacist and the medical physicist's job is to make sure that the the doctor's prescription of radiation. So radiation, of course, is used to treat cancer mostly, but there are some other conditions. Um, that the doctor's prescription for these uh, treatments is implemented as safely and accurately as possible. So uh, in, in that way, I suppose we're kind of like pharmacists, but but it, it is kind of a different different approach. Um, so, uh, so radiation therapy, maybe I can talk a little bit about, you know, what, what would you expect if you were going to get radiation treatment? Would that be all right? Yeah, that's perfect. That'd be a great example. All right. So, so a patient who diagnosed with cancer, for example, maybe prostate cancer or breast cancer, those are the, some of the two most common we see. Um, so when they, uh, come to get radiation therapy, you, uh, there's, there's a few different kinds of treatments, of course. Uh, perhaps the most common kind is called external beam radiation therapy, and that's the kind where we have these big machines. They're called linear accelerators, and they generate these high-energy high X-rays that can penetrate deeply into your body and deposit uh, energy um, in in uh, in the tumor. Ideally, of course, <laughs> of course, it will deposit energy all the along the way. But uh, but if we are, come in from a different a bunch of different angles then uh, essentially we can create this uh, focus of radiation dose around the tumor and deliver more dose ideally to the tumor than to you know the, the adjacent organs so that's the uh, that's the gist of it 
Now the the process of of getting into from from you stepping in the door to you getting a treatment involves a lot of important steps, right? I mean, you don't just jump on the table and you get treated. We got to know exactly what we're targeting, and we have to know it within a precision. And in fact, the precision we aim for is uh, less than two millimeters uh, uh, error, right? So these days, anyway, it used to be a lot, uh, a lot more, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, what is it? Spray and pray? Have you heard that term? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, there's certainly instances where we still got to do that these days, but. But uh, but yeah, so so we gotta uh, go through a process with this patient, you know, to to get them where when they lay down on this table under this big machine, we have the tumor within plus or minus two millimeters of where we want it, and we're gonna shoot the radiation at it, right? Yeah. So um, that process involves number one, we image the patient with a CT scanner, and so with the CT data, we can see your insides, right? So uh, it's it's pretty fantastic actually these days what the CT scanners can do, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we we see your insides. We bring that those images into this, what's called the treatment planning system. The treatment planning system has the capability of uh, of contouring your organs. So the physician, well, first of all, generally the physician he's he's the one who who knows what we're treating. Well, ideally, right? <laughs> You'd like to think that he knows, but and he does. Uh, that's that's what they're trained to do. And so um, we have to wait for them at that time to to target essentially what they want and to outline on these images where we want to put the radiation and how much radiation to put there. That's their domain, right? And uh, and so after that, of course, we can contour all of the organs that might get radiation dose. For example, if you're treating the prostate, well, you know, you, do you happen to know what's right next to the prostate? There's a few things. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, you know, there's uh, the rectum, which is obviously important for uh, controlling your uh, capabilities and, you know, uh, pooping <laughs> and the bladder and so forth. And, I mean, these organs are important, you know, and uh, quality of life depend on them. Uh, sexual function, obviously, is affected by prostate uh, and targeting of the prostate with the radiation or surgery or whatever the therapy would be. Um, and so, so yeah, so so the doctor has to tell us where where do we want to treat and how much dose we want to treat to. The doctor also specifies, okay, uh, how much dose can I let the bladder get or the rectum or or in the case of the breast, the heart uh, sometimes can get uh, a little bit of radiation dose and things. And so anyway, he'll he'll contour that. The then the physicist or one of the physicists colleague called it dosimetrists we'll do a treatment plan where they plan how they're going to treat, right? We can get into that more a bit later if you want. Um, but uh, ultimately, after the plan is complete, we'll then send it out to what are called radiation therapists. And they're the people who actually bring the patient into the room. And they download, of course, the, the treatment plan to the, the treatment console. And, of course, set up the patient to the correct location on the, the couch so that their tumor, their target, is within two millimeters at least. In fact, uh, they, we do some procedures where we require one millimeter accuracy, which is pretty remarkable. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, very. Yeah, it gets pretty wild uh, when you think about all the uncertainties there. And humans are kind of like a, a big tub of jelly, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a challenge, you know, to, to go through... Um, but, but yeah, the, the patient, uh, after they're set up correctly, um, we have actually on these treatment machines nowadays, 
they have what's called onboard imaging where they can take images and know and then line it up with where they were when they were scanned the first time with the CT scanner so they can match up essentially exactly the same position um so Sorry if this is long-winded, but that after after they're all set up, then the the therapist essentially hits the button to turn on the therapy and goes through every different angle of of attack, I guess you'd say, and uh, delivers all the radiation that was planned. So, as you can see, there's there's several steps in there, and right. and every step of the way, things could errors can uh, can happen, and uh, there's there's things that physicists are in charge of. Uh, for example, I don't know, you can think of even the CT scanner, right? The CT scanner uh, provides these images, but are those images uh, spatially accurate? You know, when, when, you, when you're in this digital world and you have this picture and you, you have a, a digital ruler, is that when it's, the ruler says, is it one centimeter, is it really one centimeter? You know, if it can get, uh, you know, be off uh, the calibration and give you wrong answers, you know? Um, and uh, so we, we do tests as medical physicists to ensure that the CT scanner is accurate. Um, the CT scanner also provides information of what kind of material it is. Is it muscle or fat or whatever? And, and that affects the dose that actually will be delivered. Um, so are the, are the, 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 uh, the units of, of uh, the, the pixel values, for example, in the image, are they accurate? So, I mean, there's, there's every step of the way you can break it down into, you know, 20, maybe 100 even, uh, different components uh, where, where it could go wrong, you know. And so the physicist's job is to make sure we, we isolate where can it go wrong and perform tests at different frequencies to ensure that it's, it's working correctly and also participating, you know, um, in, in writing the policies and procedures to help make it accurate. Um, participating in uh, the treatment planning sometimes depends on on how your clinic runs, of course, and what, how involved you are in that. Um, helping with the, actually going to some of these treatments, especially the more complex ones, to be kind of a um, a consulting uh, with with the therapist and things. So, so yeah, that that's kind of a broad overview. These machines are very complex. The accuracy we're looking for requires a lot of of assurance that that uh, it's actually doing what it's supposed to be doing, and uh, so that's that's where we we come in to make sure that it's done safely and accurately. All right, Alan. So that was a pretty amazing rundown of the the spectrum uh, of duties that you might do. Um, but with the medical field being as wide with different specialties and and job roles, how did you figure out that this is something that you would like to do? I've never heard of a medical physicist until you and I really started talking about it. It's a great question. Uh, I, I am not surprised. Most people haven't. And uh, it's, it's because, you know, it really is quite a specialized field. Uh, I think there's probably 6,000 or so medical physicists in the United States, and we work kind of in the background. So, yeah, it's uh, certainly not well known, I think, what we do. Uh, and I didn't know about it until I was a sophomore in college. I was in an electrical engineering uh, program, a uh, bachelor's degree. And my mom had a friend, uh, and I was visiting home over Christmas. And my mom said, hey, you should go visit so-and-so. You know, he, he really loves what he does, and, uh, and he's, he's a medical physicist. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure. Why not? So I went to visit him at the hospital, and he, uh, he actually had the cover off of a linear accelerator at the time. I, I still remember and kind of explain some things that 
about how the electron beam goes down this uh <laughs> this waveguide and things and uh that that uh this is where you know whatever i i can't remember exactly what now now that i know more about it <laughs> but uh what he tried to explain to me that i thought oh that's cool and uh but at the time it struck me that you know this is neat this is a really great way to apply engineering type uh type approaches in fact you know some people uh my my wonder uh how how theoretical a medical physicist is and i i would actually argue we're almost more of engineers <laughs> maybe that's because i started in engineering but uh so i have that bias but but you know we're we're applying we're we're in applied physics uh, field for sure. And uh, but anyway, he showed me that, and I thought, well, this is a great way to apply uh, this physics and engineering type skills to really helping people in a in a substantial way. And uh, and so and that was something that interested me. And for some reason, um, it kind of interested me more than than doing the uh, at the time the you know making. Uh, making electronics or computer chips or, you know, work electrical engineering is a very broad field, of course, uh, doing signal processing. There's lots of things you can do, but, uh, but I just saw this as like a really direct high impact kind of, um, field. And, uh, and so I, I continued correspondence with uh, this friend of my mom's and, you know, kind of got some tips from him of how, you know, how I should enter the field, what I should be aware of. And he was super helpful. So, so that that was key for me was finding this uh, this guy who who number one knew a lot about it obviously had been practicing for uh, probably at least fifteen twenty years and uh, but also was really happy to share you know everything he knew as far as you know how to how to get into the field so that that's how it started for me and so uh, it it kind of progresses there uh, of course I, I continued my electrical engineering degree. Um, but, uh, then I got into grad school, which is where really the medical physics training takes place. Um, I don't, do you want me to get into how, how grad, how the, the training of medical physicists works generally? Yeah, I think that'd be kind of neat because, you know, again, doctors, you know, go to medical school, uh, and again, medical physicists never heard of it until now. So, uh, I guess you said you went to graduate school and exactly. took off from there. Yep. So. So medical physics actually has kind of undergone an interesting evolution just recently uh, in terms of training. And there are, uh, they just, within the last few years actually, uh, have begun requiring that, that uh, you attend a, uh, or you graduate from a accredited program. Uh, and the accrediting body is called CAMPEP. And uh, in order to get board certified. So... The accredited programs are all graduate programs. They're master's and Ph.D. programs, so two years or a PhDs can be, you know, <laughs> who knows? Like, uh, <laughs> I guess, I don't know if you can do one in, in as little as three years, but probably four to four to six, I would guess, maybe longer. Right. PhDs are, uh, you know, I, I have lots of friends who have done, I, I, don't, I don't know tons of medical physics PhDs personally, so I can't speak too much to that, but um, but friends who have done other PhDs in physics or whatever, you know, and it can last way too long. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, anyway, the, those are the two, two, two ways in is, is these two different uh, graduate degrees. And you have to go to an accredited school now to be board certified. And, uh, and the other thing you got to do in order to be board certified is now get, go into an accredited residency program. 
So, which I think is not unlike uh, medical, you know, doctors and, uh, but, but now the accredited residency is two years. And uh, after that, you have essentially one more year of, of on the job training after you get a job, hopefully <laughs> out of residency. And then you can take the test to be sports certified. Well, technically the test is three parts kind of spread over several years, but that's the final test that is when the earliest you can take it. So, so ultimately, before you're board certified, it would be five years minimum, I'd say. Uh, so if you did a two years master's, two years residency, then take, uh, then get a job, work for a year, and take the board exam, uh, the final board exam, and then, uh, then you're board certified. I've been, I've been board certified now, I guess, a year and a half or so. Um, so, so I've been through the, the rigmarole, but uh, it's... It's uh, the training I received just recently. Also, a new type of program has popped up called the Doctorate of Medical Physics program. So it's essentially the two years master's and the two years residency combined. Um, and so that's the training that I received. And it was really quite phenomenal. I, I'm really glad that I got into that program. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so that's, those are the different options. And uh, to be frank with you, it's it's kind of been a rough time, I think, for for uh, the entering of the field. It, there's the barrier to entry is a little bit high right now because of these new um, regulations. Um, a lot of people want to want to become medical physicists, as far as the numbers show. And uh, there's only so many residencies, and as as you can imagine. Say you have 100 graduates per year, and there's only 50 accredited residencies, and I'm pulling those numbers out of the air because I can't remember off the top of my head. But I know there is a, <laughs> yeah. quite a discrepancy um, between the number of people graduating from these programs and the number of residencies. So, so you know, you get people who have this graduate training in a very specialized field who simply can't get into a residency for a year, maybe maybe longer, depending on how they, you know, how competitive they are. So. Um, but, but yeah, I, I got out right in as things were changing and I, I was, I think, very fortunate to have a great, uh, program I was in that, uh, I think I had a nice edge and, um, sometimes it's also not who, not what you know, but who, you know, but, uh, you know, a connection, uh, a friend of, a of, a one of my, the, the teachers in my program, uh, who was also a medical physicist, got, and we got connected, I guess, so that I got a job. But I think all my classmates and all the, you know, in this particular program, all all found positions. But, but uh, yeah, so so that's kind of the gist of the training. Um, but uh, I, I guess if there's a moral of the story, if you are interested in getting into medical physics, which I think it's a fantastic field, I really do. I I, uh, I think it's it's just really a a, a great a uh, place to be and an opportunity to really help people, like I said, um, that you really have to, you're going to have to to set yourself apart, you know, go above and beyond um, if you want to make it just, just kind of the way it is right now. <laughs> I, it only yeah. like 10 years ago um, that when some new technology was coming out called intensity modulated radiation therapy, um, where the, it was so new, but also so, so game changing in radiation therapy, um, that, you know, everybody was, all the clinics were trying to get it right. But this technology required some extra care in terms of implementing it and confirming doing quality assurance to, to know that it's doing as what it's planning, you know, the planning system says it's supposed to be doing, you know, <laughs> so you don't want to, you don't want to give people the wrong amount of radiation. That's really, really bad. So. 
Um, so there was just uh, apparently, it, from what I understand, I, I, I didn't live through this, but but uh, you could essentially pick, you know, where you wanted to live because there was so much demand for medical physicists. But things have kind of turned around at the moment, and who knows where it's going to go in the future. But uh, but that's where we're at now. So hopefully that gives you some insight. But that's that's the training, and that's kind of what you would expect. What's some kind of a generic question, but what's one of the, the best things, if you could think of one thing that you get the most satisfaction from with your, your current position? That's a good question. I, I suppose it would come from, and, you know, this is this kind of maybe speaks also to um, one of the, uh, it's it's perhaps a compelling part, but also a scary part, right? <laughs> So the fact is, when we're dealing with the, these treatments, and they're, this is life, life, these are life and death situations for people, you know, um, there are, you know, situations where mistakes are made uh, in uh, somewhere along the process. And when uh, the, the physicist's ultimate job, and it, this is maybe speaks to the human nature of, uh, you know, what brings satisfaction to you, but. A lot of times it's those big events that happen that you save the day in some way, right? Those are, those are, are I think, have kind of the stronger emotional impact on you, you know, that you really remember. I mean, you're like, wow, man, I'm so glad I, I came to work today and I was here to, to, to help in this particular way, you know, and, and to give my insight that my training has, you know, given me the opportunity to do. Um, and, uh, but you might miss on perhaps the more important side of medical physics, which is identifying where errors might happen and making sure that every, everything is figured out and everyone is communicated to that needs to, so these don't happen. But, but you know, I, to answer your question, though, I, I have to say that those moments when, when something in a plan, where, when you can contribute something where you know that if you hadn't said something or if you weren't there, then the patient would have received a suboptimal treatment or maybe even the wrong treatment. And, you know, it's not that that, and, and uh, medical physics is, is about adding safety nets and trying to be a part, be a safety net to ensure that everything is done, as I said, as the doctor prescribed. Uh, you know, the medical field is, is kind of rife with, with uh, issues with, you know, uh, where, the wrong therapy is, you know, the wrong foot is operated on and things and whatnot. You know, these are, these are things that can happen and do happen, unfortunately. But, but uh, to be a part of the solution, I think medical physics in a very real way is, is maybe, especially, uh, I mean, obviously within radiation oncology, we're almost the front line in terms of the people who prevent that kind of thing from happening. And so th right. those things come up, you know, that we're, you know, you, you see something as you're, and we do a lot of double checking and we double check the plans that, that have been created, the triumph plans, we double check that it has been transferred correctly from one computer, from, you know, one system to another. We check, we check everything that we can. And, uh, and yeah, we, we find things that, that we uh, see that, hey, you know, this, this shouldn't be like this. We need to fix it. And this is why. And, and the physicist is in a special position because uh, a lot of times, um, they, you really know the answer why, you know, you know why that it should be a certain way and what happens, you know, you understand the, the physics of the radiation, which the radiation right. dose is kind of a really quite complex uh, in some ways. In some ways it's simple, some ways it's complex, but it can be quite complicated uh, in certain respects, depending on what kind of therapies uh, and what, where you're treating and so forth. Um, but you're in a very special position because you have, the, uh, you have insight that no one else has. 
that can be uh, really uh, impactful, you know, on a patient who, you know, is expecting the best therapy you can give, obviously. So, so yeah, I think that's very satisfying to to be a part of of, uh, of providing this this therapy. Now, not a lot of times the things that we check, and perhaps if there's a I, I'm preempting you. You're probably going to ask me what I like least, so I'll give you the chance to ask that. <laughs> so, Alan, what do you like least? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, sorry, but uh, so it, you know, a lot of the tests we do are can be a little bit mundane. You know, there's this routine uh, quality of some of the things we do. Um, I can't, I can't give you an exact percentage of, you know. How much of my job is being creative, uh, coming up with solutions, implementing new technologies, and that's all very exciting. Um, and how how much is kind of routine? Okay, I got to sit down with this patient's chart, and I got to look at these numbers and kind of make sure they all make sense and so forth. You know, um, so it's an interesting mix of those two things. And in a way, I think that's that is kind of a a a good thing. Um, you know, uh, it can be yeah. it can be appealing. You know, where you're not necessarily always exercising the same the same uh cogs in your brain you know what i mean that makes sense so mm-hmm. so yeah it's an, it's an interesting mix of creativity and uh kind of routine but yeah a lot of the the tests we do by nature of what they are it's kind of like okay i i mean i got to the the procedure is very clear i just got to push these buttons and but coming up with the the right test to do now that's something that we got to do you know and yeah. fixing the test when we think, no, this isn't going to be quite, because this doesn't provide enough insight to, re- to recognize if there's is truly an error here. Let's fix it. And those kind of things, that, that's where the medical physicist has a lot of insight. But, but yeah, I mean, uh, so we do uh, a lot of tasks that aren't necessarily engaging, you know, <laughs> uh, from a mental perspective. But uh, So um, if you have a patient come in, patient does the treatment, and then the patient leaves, do you ever know if, you know, cancer goes into remission and uh, everything was good? Or do you find out, hey, it, the treatment's not working, um, you know, the patient's no longer with us? Do you have that, like, any that, that kind of stress? That's a great question. So we, as a physicist, we're kind of in the, the background more than, uh, than most medical professionals. I would say, you know... To be frank with you, it, one of uh, the things I, I wish we uh, we had more information on was the outcomes. Um, but the thing about radiation therapy is, in most cases, <clears throat> well, so <laughs> let me let me first ex- uh, express this: that there's two different types of radiation therapy. There's what's called uh, definitive and palliative. And uh, we do, I don't know if I'd say 50-50, but we do a, a significant fraction of both. And definitive radiation is where we, our goal is to cure the cancer. And we believe that there's a good probability that we can. And we're generally more aggressive, you know, and, and the patient may have some side effects, you know, from the radiation. Because we're, we, you know, radiation, or because cancer is such a bad disease, obviously, that, you know, we, we want to hit with everything we got that uh, mm-hmm. hopefully will um, will cure it, right? But uh, palliative is when the patient, for example, has metastatic cancer spread throughout the body and it is causing pain in the back, for example. Sometimes metastasis is what it's called is when it spreads through the body. 
sometimes you get metastasis in the uh, metastases, you know, more than one uh, in the the spinal column, the verte- vertebrae, right? And so very painful, and the radiation can alleviate a lot of these these uh, these symptoms. Um, so so there's a lot of cases like that. Um, so so I would say, of course, palliative. You know, uh, I guess to get back to what I was trying to say was that. I kind of wish that we had more of a role in terms of this long-term follow-up and and tracking. And I think there's room for that. In fact, there's recent uh, uh, some recent papers out about uh, getting it, doing some more data mining in terms of retrospective analysis of these patients and things. Uh, this is something I think that that will become more prominent in the future. But but yeah, I wish that we had more information, and and we have what's called chart rounds, where the doctor kind of explains what's what's happening with certain patients. Occasionally, we might hear uh, certain uh, information, especially if their patient comes back for a treatment, you know, which happens. Like I said, there's these palliative treatments that you might get two, three, four, or more, uh, depending on the condition you have, where we can continue to. To apply therapy at different places to to palliate pain or or so forth, and uh, to ease their their pain and uh, so uh, but yeah I we we sometimes learn about the the outcomes but sometimes not now in medicine the gold standard of evidence is the uh, the randomized clinical trials right and so these are these are controlled controlled studies. That are done with uh, where people are randomly assigned to different arms of, of treatments, and wow. uh, and then which are expected to be at least as good. You know, the new therapy that they're testing should be at least as good, and ideally, right? But you don't know until you try, right? And then you have these long-term follow-ups over years, and that's the thing about, like I said, with especially definitive radiation therapy. A lot of times, you don't know for years and years if the cancer is really gone. Um, and that's one of the hard, tough things about cancer is, uh, you know, you, uh, survivorship of cancer is a lifelong thing, you know, and, and so, uh, so from my perspective, it's, it's, we're more involved mostly in the window of therapy. Um, and then the long-term follow-up, the doctor, of course, is keeping tabs on them, but, uh, to the best of their ability. But yeah, we, we sometimes kind of get insights. And I, for example, when I'm doing a treatment plan, I often will ask the doctor, you know, it, for example, we're treating, uh, where there's a particular organ nearby and and I'll ask I'll have the thought of you know how, how often do you see uh, these side of certain side effects from this kind of therapy uh, especially if for the plan I'm working on it's it's doing so much dose or to that organ that it, uh so how much do you see side effects and he'll he'll explain his clinical experience you know right now it seems like you love your your job um and, and you love helping people and, and being a part of an in-game solution uh, to, to help these people with cancer to eradicate it, which, you know, I have, I have family members that you know, have succumbed to uh, cancer. I have friends that have succumbed to it. Uh, but then I also have the same token as, you know, I have friends that are survivors and, and family that are survivors of cancer. But, but where do you see yourself, you know, in the next five, ten years from now, uh, do, you, do you see this being a long-term career, or is there any other, you know, facets to medical physics that you might go down, or, or, or what do you think you might do? Yeah, great question. I, I'd say so. Most people get into medical physics, do it for long-term careers. I'm kind of a, a little bit of a 
a, a maverick, I guess, in terms of uh, what I hope to accomplish. Um, so, I, as I mentioned, I'm an electrical engineering undergrad. I have a bachelor's in electrical engineering, and I love programming. So, uh, in medical physics, uh, as, as a tip, by the way, if you ever consider getting into, into medical physics, I think programming is really an edge in terms of a skill that, that's very beneficial to have. There's just so much, especially with the technology where it is these days, that where programming is really the only way to to uh, to really be impactful in terms of the research. Uh, well, I mean, not to say not to say you can't be impactful without programming skills, but it's such a nice tool in your toolbox. Um, there's there's so much you can uh, do uh, even in the clinic that that uh, can simplify your life. Uh, but uh, in any case, I, I love programming, so I, I'm hoping to uh, get into some independent software development. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm planning on making the leap into that probably in the next uh, six months or so. And uh, in the field of medical physics, there's some different uh, software ideas, of course, I have. As a clinical medical physicist, there's a lot of programs that we use that, you know, I think we could do better than this or, you know. Uh, and one of the ones, and in fact, I mentioned this uh, this whole uh, data mining thing and retrospective analysis so we can learn. You know, that's really the best way to learn is is being able to look at the data I think there's a lot that can be done. I've, I've participated in some clinical trials uh, as a medical physicist, you know, providing the information to the uh, the protocol, um, the people running the uh, a, a new protocol, and uh, who are, will analyze, of course, this information. Um, and there's there's a lot to be desired in the tools out there. So anyway, I, there's a lot of, of tools that I think are just begging to be written in this department that I think will, will uh, help the field move forward. In terms of uh, you know making the flow, clinical workflow better, but also I think uh, doing more along the lines of uh, giving, bringing tools to those who are running these research protocols, so that they can identify you know what the the optimal treatment approaches are, uh, and analyze the data in a in a much simpler fashion. And also the people who are are providing data, because uh, treatment uh, these protocols basically you know you recruit institutions throughout the United States or beyond, and uh, they, they basically submit the data that they're gathering in terms of, of uh, results and follow-up and also in terms of what was treated. You know, all this stuff needs to be submitted into this repository. And as I said, there's a lot to be desired in that uh, some of the uh, ways that it's currently being done. So, so anyway, that's, that's where I, I hope to make my, a way for myself in that department. Now, uh, medical physics, generally, I would say probably, I can't, I would say between 80 to 90% of medical physicists, I can't say for certain, but are, I would say that about that amount are what I, I would term clinical medical physicists, where you work in a radiation oncology center of some kind, either a community center or a university setting, and, uh, and so you're, you're at the clinic, you're there to, to help, uh, you know, uh, with, with, as I said, all those tasks, I guess I explained it already, there's just so many things that can come up and, and we, that we get consulted about kind of throughout the day. Whenever there's any questions, we're often consulted. Um, that, uh, that, yeah, so that's what most medical physics do, physicists do. Uh, there are those who work for industry, um, the people who make these linear accelerators or the imaging systems, um, and all, uh, also, I, I, I've been talking about therapeutic medical physics. Uh, there's there's a, a lot of, well, there's like three or four, I guess, let me think. 
So there's there's diagnostic medical physicists, and these people are the people who are kind of do a lot of quality assurance. I'd say on on diagnostic machines, MRIs. Uh, you got the nuclear medicine cameras, the PET scanners, and uh, CT scanners. They do a lot of quality assurance on that, and X-ray systems, conventional X-rays. And then you have nuclear medicine uh, medical physicists who get involved in the therapeutic uh, pharmaceutical radio pharmaceuticals that actually are in, in injected. Uh, and among uh, there's also this diagnostic side of that, but um, and then there's health physics, which is radiation protection. Um, so anyway, there's there's all these different fields of medical physics, I guess. Uh, and but I in the therapeutic range, which is um, I I don't know if I'd say it's the largest. Maybe uh, yeah, it's probably the largest fraction of all the the medical or all the the physics medical physics fields out there. Um, that uh, but yeah, about 90% probably are doing clinical work. And then some of those, if they're working in a university setting, would be involved in some research, but uh, about maybe 10% or so, 10 to 20, are, are involved full-time in some sort of uh, research position uh, or, or in the industry job. So, um, so I'm, I guess I'm, I'm kind of joining this minority, maybe, um, in, in my plans. Uh, and we'll see where it goes. And if it doesn't go uh, where I hope it does, then uh, I certainly wouldn't be disappointed if I end up in the clinic again. I think it'd be great. But uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at right now. It also seems like you you know, you know, I'm in the IT field myself. Uh, so we have a lot of different software. I, you know, I do I do information assurance, or I guess you know the the hip TV term would be like you know cybersecurity. Um, but we have a lot of tools, but they're all like kind of, you know, individual by themselves Yeah, sure. or they're written by people that don't actually do the job. Um, so I think when you have something like what you do, where you do the job, you know, day in, day out, you know what you're looking for, you know what you're reading, being able to custom build or, you know, refine it a little bit, uh, from, you know, being in the trenches, I guess, so to speak, um, would be a pretty valuable asset and would, uh, help the field out uh, in the long term. Um, Definitely. I hope so. I hope so. That's the idea anyway. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm not saying that there aren't uh, plenty of, uh, of folks out there who are great clinical physicists who also participate in, in the way that I'm hoping to. But, uh, but yeah, you're right. I think that there's, uh, there's definitely a need for uh, individuals, I think, who, who uh, have those skill, that skill set to contribute in this way because, uh, I mean, the, the technology nowadays that we really need, uh, there's, so, there's so much potential, I think, in, in harnessing it, in, uh, especially in medicine. And uh, there's, it's been a, a bit of a slow march forward, I think, compared to what could happen if, uh, you know, the more people who are competent in the, the area and who, uh, who, I guess, make the leap into that, I think I think we can really make some big differences uh, for good. But yeah, I think every every field, every job, you're always going to have that Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg. You're always going to have someone that come along, little pioneer it, and, <laughs> yeah, and, and I, make I know, that, 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 that giant. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's always something, a piece of software that makes it easier, or you know, a, a process flow. Um, sure, that's that's pretty interesting. Um, anything else you'd like to add? No, I, uh, I think that's. Uh, I, I guess my uh, shortest answer is I'm not sure where I'll be in two to you know two to ten years, but uh, I, I'm I'm pretty confident that uh, 
Well, I can say this. I'm, I'm glad I went into medical physics, and I think that when I, uh, that wherever it ends up, I'm, I think I'd be happy there. But uh, you know, you never know until you make the leap of faith. I guess with uh, right. my kind of my kind of plan here. <laughs> Tell you what, I, I think I'm pretty confident to say I know more about medical physics now than I did, you know, before we start talking. And I think what you've gone over is pretty spectacular. Um, so now people can know what medical physics is, know it from someone in the field, and the way you broke it down, it's, it's broken down so anyone can understand it. Um, and uh, I think a lot of people are going to learn from this, and I'm really appreciative of uh, you talking to me. Sure. No, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Uh, certainly uh, would love to, to help others understand better about what, what we do because, you know, it's a important field. We, you know, of course, need good people uh, who, who really want to, as I said, uh, make a difference because, you know, like I said, there's, there are those days where you really are the uh, key person to, to make sure that a patient's treated correctly. And that's, that's a fantastic place to be, especially if you're, uh, you uh, have that passion and you're also a capable person. So I definitely uh, hope that anyone who's, who's interested and uh, thinks that, that, that they fit the bill, you know, yeah. you know you're, you're definitely welcome here, in my opinion. But it's, it's well, like, who knows, maybe, maybe in uh, you know, five years I'm talking to Alan, the uh, software development specialist in uh, the medical physics field. <laughs> we'll see. This new hit program. We'll see. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, you never know. That's the thing about life, right? You never really know until you try. But, uh, but you got to try. But if you, you try, then try hard, right? Yeah. Always, always try. Don't stop trying. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot, man. No problem. Take care. Thanks for listening in today. And be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss that one episode that can change your career path. We're passionate about sharing all the possibilities of occupations out there and we'd like to keep moving full steam ahead. Consider becoming a patron of the show and go to patreon.com slash what do you do podcast to see how you can support the show.